This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. How's it going? You know, I'm all right. How are you? Um, well, my shoulder hurts so badly I want to rip my whole arm off. But other than that, I'm great. Yay! Well, so... I have just been straight up the hot mess express lately. <laughs> um, but today, like I had such a busy weekend. And then today I woke up and I came out to my living room to have some coffee and watch. And that's why we drink. Cause I like to watch it on YouTube now. Oh yeah. Uh, and I heard this noise and I was like, that's a weird noise. But then I couldn't like place the sound. Like I couldn't place the, the noise and so I couldn't find where it was coming from. Was it a so neighbor in your day. window? Uh, yes. Oh no! <laughs> I don't like that. So I go on about my day I'm about halfway through this movie and I hear the noise again and I'm like that's a bug. That's a bug noise. And sure enough from out of my blinds in my living room crawls this wasp hornet that's what i'm no, calling it a hard pass it was like straight up like this big Mm-mm, that's too big so i go and i get like an entire can of spray and i just unload that shit like <laughs> to my window <laughs> yikes and it took forever for it to stop twitching and die and i just sprayed it until it stopped twitching <laughs> and then i called my dad because i'm super allergic right and so i called my dad to come like inspect the premises to make sure there were no more in the house and he did because he's so nice and so yeah that was my neighbor in the window well i'm glad it wasn't a human being staring in at you because since i live on the third floor that would be horrifying right (laughs) so many implications (laughs) there um well i so i am in a lot of pain yes but i played a really good concert last night which is why i'm in a lot of pain oh, that's, right. um, that's why you're in a lot of pain I'm yeah like, why does so, your shoulder hurt but never mind. yeah i have to go to my doctor and see why my shoulder hurts because there was a time in my life that i practiced viola nine hours a day and so the past two days having only practiced five hours a day uh should not have thrown my shoulder out but Dude, I can't do anything for five hours a day. You know, between my ADHD and how exhausted I was, because we had five hour rehearsal after I'd worked a full day. I was like, that's the worst idea. But Mm -hmm. we played Beethoven. It was good. It was actually, um, so it was a Black History Month celebration. The concert was. And so we opened with, uh, a piece called or a song called total praise that's like a gospel song Mm -hmm. and then we played an epitaph for martin luther king jr and so it was nice to be able to pay that tribute and then we ended with beethoven um because the lyrics of um ode to joy um you know they're a poem by it's a poem by Friedrich Schiller, but i always want to say nietzsche because i feel like nietzsche is the only existentialist who's ever existed um anyway but the poem is about complete unity on earth and uniting under i think the lyric says something about the um 
the maker above the stars or something, but just the idea that we played this, these lyrics that were all about unity, mm-hmm. which is what Martin Luther King Yay. worked so hard for. It was just a fitting tribute. Oh boy. He's another one that must be spinning in his grave right now. I don't want to talk man. about it. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Well, I don't have the flu anymore. <clears throat> I'm glad you didn't die. Yay. And so since we skipped it last week, since I was like half dead, what are you reading right now? Um, I am reading. Um, well, so Sarah is reading what that book that y'all were just talking about. Um, the patient, the, um, of oh, the silent patient. Yeah. So, oh my God. So when she's done, I'm going to start that. And, um, it's so good. It's so good. The I, twist is incredible. I actually just downloaded or I started to look for, I have not downloaded the, um, one of the books by the author that is the, uh, feature of today's episode. And so I, I can't wait to get into that. She wrote a, it's a cozy Southern mystery. And Ooh. so we'll talk about Ooh. that. I just, I need something light in my life after grad That's school interesting week. since this book very, or this movie very much does not take place in the South. We'll get there. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it, it doesn't in real life either. Um, Okay. Um, and yeah. Yeah. So before we talk about all of our feelings about this case, because I know we both have some. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Lifetime Sentence. I'm Paul. I'm Aaron, And now I'm going to tell you what I'm reading. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm just so stuck up and selfish. Yeah, you are. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Well. So I just finished um, a book called When We Left Cuba. And is it fiction it or nonfiction? Of, it's fiction. Okay. Um, it's it was one of like Reese Witherspoon's book club picks last year. I trust it was her highly, judgment, highly recommended like to me. innately. Huh? I trust her judgment like innately. Same. Um, and so I I read it and it destroyed my soul, but like in the worst way or in the best way. So. I like a book that tears me apart and makes me cry really hard. Mm-hmm. I want all my books to be that way, honestly. Yeah, it was so, 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 so good. I loved it. And I'm still flooding through the Royals. I think I'm going to have to, there's somebody waiting for it at the library. So I'm going to have to turn it in and recheck it out because I'm not even halfway through it. <laughs> oh, that sounds awful. It's good. It's just, it's just a lot and it's really long and a lot of material. And so it's hard to read a lot at one time. Um, and I also, at your recommendation, picked up The Hate You Give. Oh, good. I love that book so yeah. much. You've had a really good reading here so far. Thank you. It's also ripping my life apart. So thanks uh-huh. for that. You're welcome. <laughs> um, now, I did. Sorry, Sarah just delivered food and it's the best. I know. Um, I know. Anyway, I have to get me a Sarah. I did um, download on Audible for me to start in the car because that's where I do most of my reading these days. Um, yep. <clears throat> Little women that it's one of my favorite books ever, but um, I picked this one up specifically for the narrator and let me see if I can remember who, uh, Oh, because it's got our BFF narrating. Let's see if I for can. adjourn, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's actually a full also, cast. She's recording. at the Oscars right now and she looks fantastic. So so she's cool. Um, Please yeah. be our friend, Lauren. We invited you for mimosas. You must have lost our number because you haven't called yet. Yeah, 
be our friend, Laura Dern. Be my husband, John Hamm. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's all I want. We're not asking for much here. <laughs> nope. <laughs> all right. Do you want to talk about this story? I do. Man, do I. There have been weeks that I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. This week, I'm like, yes. <laughs> this is peak lifetime. And I loved every second of it. <laughs> if the movie is even a third like the real case... Lifetime could not have written something more fucked up. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> so this week, this week I watched The Neighbor in the Window. It's one of Lifetime's ripped from the headlines uh, movies. It premiered yesterday. So what's that? February, February 8th. 8th? Mm-hmm. And it stars Jamie Lynn Sigler. She plays Karen, but I just call her Jamie. Spears. No. <laughs> like I choked on my quesadilla. <laughs> she plays uh, Karen, but I just call her Jamie the whole time because. Okay. Duh. Well, um, I will warn you. You'll that... know her from The Sopranos. I could call her Meadow the whole time. Well, there's that. Um, much <laughs> like whose line is it anyway? The names are made up and the points don't matter. So you could call them anything and it wouldn't be true. Oh, we'll get there, too. <laughs> um, Jen Lyons, she plays Lisa. She's from Justified and that show Claws that I told you about, the yeah. nail salon money laundering show. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. She has a very, like, um, hold on, I can't think of what her name is, so I'm going to look her up real quick. She's got this vibe that just reminds me of someone. Is she the one? Ellen Barkin. Uh -huh. She looks like Ellen Barkin, like, so much. So I... Looked up the cast this week only because in an interview with maybe Oxygen, they talked about this and um, the Jamie Lynn Sigler said she like she thought the story was interesting. But what she really jumped on board for is because what was that actress name? Jen Lyon was mm -hmm. in it. And I was like, oh, Jen Lyon must be like a real person. And then I looked her up and I was like, never heard of her. So I looked these <laughs> people up and had no clue. And I was like, well, thanks, Jen Lyon, I guess. I've seen her in stuff like, and my dad watches Justified. That's probably what I've seen her in, but she's really great. She's really great. Okay. Um, David Lewis, he put his name in the movie is Alan, but I call him Avril Lavigne. <laughs> I need to know why. I can't wait. Because his name on his business card was Alan Levine. Oh, okay. And when I looked at it, I thought it said Avril. And I was like, well, I'm just going to go with it. Well, you have to <laughs> at that point. Mm -hmm. He is from Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, which one of my friends watches and makes me watch every time I go to his house. And it makes no sense to me whatsoever. It sounds like the name of a British like procedural. It is a... Mm -hmm. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> there it is. Nailed it. And this guy's super hot. So, yeah. Um, and he, he was also in Man of Steel. Is he the husband? No, he's the, he's the lawyer. Okay. The he, lawyer also was not hot, but I was like, man, they really upgraded the husband if that was. <laughs> <laughs> um, and finally, we have Carmel Amit. Amit. I'm so sorry for butchering your name if you ever hear this. Um, she plays who I call Sneaky Susie because I really loved her until I didn't anymore. Oh, I'm going to guess that's the daughter. <clears throat> no. Oh, okay. 
She is from Ghost Wars, uh, somewhere between, and a movie called Taking Woodstock, which I'm going to have to look up because it sounds interesting. I recognize that title. Mm. So being that this is a ripped from the headlines feature, what I was not expecting to see at the top of this movie was, quote, the following story is fictional and doesn't portray any person or events, which is not what ripped from the headlines means. Right. <laughs> um, I did actually see part of Taking Woodstock. I just looked it up. It's got Dimitri Martin in it. He's one of my favorite comedians. There you go. Um, we open with Jamie Lynn Sigler putting on makeup while crying. And I was like, girl, that's not how makeup works. You Sometimes you just got to cover it all up. <laughs> like as it happens. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I changed my mind. I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> One step forward and two steps back makeup. <laughs> Her husband asks how she's doing and she says... That what she's being accused of is someone she doesn't even know. And if they find her guilty, she could go to jail for 10 years. Okay. And I'm like, what? Hmm? And so her son comes in, they have a family hug, and then dad takes him to school. And we flash back to one year earlier. This, thankfully, is not a hopping timelines movie. We flash back and then we end at the trial. So gotcha. Okay. Um, so the family is house hunting and the realtor brings them in and tells them that the owners are very motivated to sell. Which means it's haunted or someone's crazy. Hmm. It's red flag one number one. That's what I'll call it. Um, you can tell because the house is a wreck. There's still boxes on the floor. They just like left shit and like took off. <laughs> Which is red flag number two. And then Jamie like walks in and she pulls back these really heavy, heavy curtains from these gorgeous windows or like floor to ceiling. And she's like, why would anyone cover up these amazing windows? Why would anybody leave such a perfect house? Oh, is it actually the beast from Beauty and the Beast? <laughs> No, but you know what I get from this movie? Like, very harsh uh, The Watcher vibes. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. Maybe I need to bring back the voice. I don't know where I'd use it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, I'm going to guess there's a reason, and I would have already left. <laughs> right? Like, I think we should keep a running count of red flags. To see how many red flags somebody needs before they figure something out. Oh, so many. Okay. But you do that. You keep a running count while I tell this story. <laughs> but instead of leaving, they buy the house. Have you ever read that Twitter feed that's like, I almost became one of those. Yes. Like, it's stereotypical my favorite. white women. <laughs> <laughs> Just if you haven't read it, listeners, go look it up. It's really funny. And. It's great. <clears throat> it's about this woman that's house hunting with her uh, boyfriend. So she's white and he's black. And, like, there's all these red flags. And he's like, uh, no, 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 no. And she's like, no, I love this. <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah, it's fucking haunted. Is what it is. <laughs> um, so Susie comes over with muffins. 
and her kid to introduce herself so the kids can play. Um, that night, Jamie and Hubby are having some grown-up time. They're getting hot and heavy on the couch. But Jamie stops him because someone is watching them from across the backyard. No, they're not. You, you take yeah, that back. <laughs> no, I will not. <laughs> uh, the next day, the window lady, or someone with a very similar silhouette, comes over to introduce herself. Her name is Lisa, and she brings some wine. And if she wasn't already weird, I'd like her more for that. <laughs> Lisa compliments Jamie's necklace and asks if it was an anniversary gift. Jamie says no and starts to cry that her husband got it for her after the baby they had before their son Miles died from sudden infant death syndrome. I did not mean to laugh. Um, There was, sorry, they have a daughter who got cut out of this movie. And so, <laughs> it's because she died. <laughs> and so, lifetime. I actually, I actually have a statement from the daughter in my notes about that. But so I'm laughing because they just like offed her. Like we don't want to deal with her, so she's gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That is fucked up. <laughs> Anyways, okay. And I was like, cool, cool. I'm not crying. I'm just cutting an onion over here. But now I feel... <laughs> now it's a different kind of feeling bad. Oh, no. Oh. Um, so, Lisa... Coincidentally, also had a baby that died from sudden infant death syndrome. That sucks. So now they're bonded. And so, like, spoiler alert, the people that had babies that died from sudden infant death syndrome in this movie, the count at the end of this movie will be zero. Oh, no! Since the real woman actually did not have that, and this woman did not have one. Right? <sighs> so, uh, Jamie hosts Wine Afternoon for Lisa and Susie and their kids. And I want to go to Wine Afternoon. Um, the moms go shopping. Jamie tries on a dress that doesn't fit her, but her friends are like, You're gorgeous. You're stunning. You must purchase this outfit. Friends she like- wears it to Miles. Hmm? Friends don't let friends wear clothes that aren't the right size. Mm. Well, let me tell you how many friends Jamie actually has in this scenario. (laughs) Goose egg. Um, She wears it to Miles' first day of school, and lo and behold, when Lisa walks in, she's wearing the same dress. But in her size, or is it also too small? No, it fits her. No, (laughs) Jamie's was too big, actually. Okay. Even worse. But yes, Lisa's fits. Um, what a coincidence. Lisa is so embarrassed, as you are. Um, Jamie laughs it off, but she's a little suspicious. She's like, mm. 
Lisa comes over later to apologize again and invite Jamie and her hubby to a back-to-school afternoon party thing. This all seems very official. It all seems fine, but I know it isn't because sinister music is playing in the background. (laughs) I would love to be one of the lifetime executives and just put sinister music where like nothing bad is happening, and then (laughs) do like music you'd imagine the back of like a bubble bath scene. That's when somebody dies. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of what this movie did, except nobody died. Jamie puts away groceries and then decides she's bored, so she calls the realtor that sold them the house and tells her she wants to get a real estate license. Like you do. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's what I do when I'm bored. Right, like, didn't you call the manager of your apartment one day and be like, hey, I want to be a hotel, uh, an apartment manager now because you were so good at it and you inspired <laughs> me. You know, like a, a good... Did I tell you the story about the wasp that was in my house today? <laughs> Oh, gosh. So they go to the party at Lisa's and everything is wonderful. Susie and her wife are the only people that are not trying too hard at this party. Jamie announces that she's going to get a real estate license. And wouldn't you know it, Lisa has also been thinking about going back to work, too. I'm a little suspicious of Lisa. Mm. Because I definitely don't know how this case goes. Hold on to your butts, because then Lisa starts playing with a necklace that she's wearing, and it's the same necklace as the Sid's dead baby necklace. Didn't you know there's a universal Sid's ba- dead baby necklace? <laughs> no. That's why That's why she tried to, that's why she casually brought it up, because she was like, I know that's the Sid's dead baby necklace, but I don't want to hurt her feelings, so I'm going to ask if that's an anniversary necklace. Like she was so, like this happened and I literally went oh, no <laughs> Aren't you glad we decided to do this this week cuz we almost slept on it We almost did <laughs> Everything goes blurry and she flashes back to telling Lisa about her necklace Jamie excuses herself and goes into the kitchen Lisa's husband who has been bragging about his famous ribs all day is in there because he cooks his ribs in the oven. Um, I feel like there's multiple bad guys in this film. <laughs> like, I, like what he's doing might be more egregious than what she's going to do. What kind of monster cooks their ribs in the oven? Y'all, this is the South. We don't do that shit. Um, okay, I'm going to get it together. He says he's really glad that Lisa and Jamie are such good friends because it, Lisa has a hard time making mom friends sometimes. Jamie asks if that's because of their baby with SIDS, but he explains that she must have misunderstood Lisa because that happened to his brother. His brother had a child who died from SIDS, not them. I okay. I <laughs> okay. Yep. <laughs> Just keep moving. Look, this my... husband, 
this husband is problematic. We'll get there. Uh, <laughs> Jamie and her Jamie and her not problematic husband talk it out later. And Hubby's like, I'm not so sure about Lisa. There's just something not right there. <laughs> and Jamie's like, I just have to find grace and understand that she must have a reason for doing this. And her husband's like, well, you're a better person than me. I was like, same, dude. Same. Right? <laughs> I feel that on a spiritual level. <laughs> Jamie reads to Miles' class, and it's precious. Um, she sets up an office space with her realtor so she can get ready for her test. Um, she's driving home and telling her hubby over the phone that she just loves being back at work. She gets home, and Allie, Lisa's daughter, is supposed to be babysitting Miles. But when she goes inside, nobody's home. She freaks out a little, but they're just at Lisa's house. It had been raining, and Miles forgot his raincoat, so he was all wet when he got home. Oh, Poor baby. Um, so Lisa's like, hey, come inside. Have some coffee. It's pouring down rain. Why are you, you know, whatever. And Jamie sits down, and she confronts her about the Sid story. And Lisa's response is that... She was just diagnosed with Parkinson's. Uh, so, so the conversation's like, listen, we need to talk. I know you're a fucking liar. And then the, the rebuttal is, but now I have Parkinson's. <laughs> yeah. So sh- what she says is that Parkinson's makes you confused as like one of your symptoms. And so she mixed up the story and she was just too uh, mortified about it to come clean. So she bought a necklace. Which if that's true, that's horrible and so sad, but I don't think this is true. Uh, (laughs) um, So our red flag count, I've run out of hash marks. Like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how many I've put at this point. Because well, Lisa is just one giant one or several itty bitty ones in the shape of a human being. Um, they make up. Um, and later, her husband is on my side because he's like, uh, if this is true, it's awful. But I don't think it's true. <laughs> Sorry about it. <clears throat> um. The next morning, Miles calls them outside because someone had emptied their trash cans, like, all over their yard. Oh, I thought they were, like, politely emptying the trash can for them, not, like, pretended to be a Kodiak bear in the wild. No. So, Susie comes over to talk about it, and Jamie's like, yeah, I thought the the police think it was just kids, like, whatever. And she's like, hey, did you hear about Lisa's illness. And Jamie's like, yes, Parkinson's. I can't believe it. And Susie's like, no, she told me she has lupus. Oh, the Parkinson's made her confused too. (laughs) Like, you know, I, I am positive that you can't possibly make the same mistake twice and forget that you didn't have a baby die and also don't have lupus. Well, when her husband comes home and she tells him, he's like, I knew it. 
Um, Jamie and her realtor boss friend go to lunch. And Jamie gives her the rundown on Lisa. Um, she asks if the sellers ever said anything about it to uh, her, like her realtor friend. But um, she's like, no, like nobody ever told me like we handled everything through a broker. I never even met them. That's <clears> convenient. Red flag. I can't Lisa... put any more. My paper's full. Okay. Lisa calls while they're talking, but Jamie ignores it. She like clicks the button, you know. And we cut to Lisa sitting outside the restaurant watching them. No. Oh, my God. I hate this so much. Um, yeah. And it's Halloween. Everyone goes trick-or-treating. Hubby is way too into Halloween, but I'm going to give him a pass because of what happens next. <laughs> the doorbell rings and he has, like, fake teeth in. And he's like, happy Halloween. He, like, opens the door. And it's just. Lisa. <laughs> She's dressed like a cat with boobs. Now, is she like an anatomical cat? So she's got like six boobs or just like, no, no, just like no, the normal no. two. Yeah. So she's like, he, you've seen Mean Girls. Uh-huh. You know, when Karen's like, I'm a mouse, duh. Uh-huh. Okay. She's like, that, but a cat. <laughs> yeah. So she asks after the boys, because they took, like, Susie and Jamie took the, all her boards, all the boys, including hers, trick or treating. And he's like, nope, they're not here. Um, and then she asks to use the restroom. And I'm like, you live next door. Like, go to your own house. <laughs> what fucking kind of neighborhood is this? Jesus. Okay, now to be fair, I have gluten intolerance and sometimes I can't make it next door. <laughs> she oh, okay <laughs> um that she then so she comes out she bends over the candy table and pouts about how they have the full-size candy bars and make everyone else in the neighborhood look bad oh my god i hate this so much <laughs> Also, you can bet that when I was a kid, when I found the house was the full-size candy bar, I was thinking of a way to repurpose my costume so that it looked like that was a different person. (laughs) (laughs) Then the doorbell rings. And it's like, this is so weird to explain because it's absurd. So the doorbell rings and she like, she picks up the bowl and answers the door and hubby comes to stand like next to her. And they're, she's giving out candy at their house. And then she puts her armor on him and she's like, look, a little like gumball and a hippie. Like, no, lady. But she's like insinuating to children that they're, that they're a couple. Like, that the, the children don't care. Like, right. <laughs> well, you know, when kids come trick or treating at your house and you have to pull out your pretend husband, I do it every year. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so. After they close the door, she, like, leans up against Hubby, and she's like, because he's dressed as Dracula. And she says she always wanted to know what what it was about Dracula's kiss that drove everyone so crazy. (laughs) I'm looking for a place to run away to, and I'm stuck in my recording studio. (laughs) Yeah, you are. Um, Hubby's like, well, actually, it's the kiss of death, so maybe you don't want to find out. 
And this is the only case where I support his mansplaining. (laughs) (laughs) You know where mansplaining comes from, right? I did a whole episode. I gave mansplaining 101. It comes from a well, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. So she's like, okay, bye. And she leaves. (laughs) Jamie's working, selling houses, etc. When she comes home, Allie's there with Lisa because, so for some reason, Miles has stopped eating his lunches at school. And this kind of like progresses over the movie, but they don't ever explain why. Okay. I mean, some kids just do that. Like, Yeah. So apparently he's coming home and he's like starving and so Lisa, ever so kindly, brought some macaroni and cheese over to feed the poor child. Right, because the house that can afford the full-size candy bars can't afford mm-hmm. their own blue box. Exactly. Lisa asks if she can talk to Jamie. And she's like, sure. And she's like, cool. So my husband lost his job and my medical bills from the Parkinson's lupus. Right, that hybrid that makes you have SIDS, imaginary SIDS. my medical bills are piling up so i brought you 98 cents blue box so i need to know if i can borrow five thousand dollars okay i didn't want to do this on air but this is important aaron um so i bought three shirts at target and realized I'm broke and I need $5,000 to cover my overdraft fees. So if you could just send that to my PayPal real quick, that'd be cool. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I'm the only person who just complains a lot when I have no money and that's it? Yeah, well, the real question here is, do you not have a savings account that's an emergency $5,000 for a friend in need? Because I thought everyone had that. Good. If you have that, then send it to me. Why don't you? Mm. God damn. You wouldn't cover my overdraft fees just now. See, that was a test and you failed. (laughs) (laughs) So Jamie's like, no, bitch. But Lisa counters that she knows Jamie has the money because she's seen her spend money. Oh, that's you must be rich because I've seen you buy shit. She Jamie tells Lisa, oh, oh, her give a damn is like busted now. Like, donezo. She tells Lisa that it's none of her fucking business how she spends her money. Good. That's and the first good response I've heard all night. Lisa says, well, I was going to ask your hubby on Halloween, but it's clear that his mind was elsewhere when I came over. Yeah, he was still trying to figure out why you came to use their fucking bathroom. (laughs) So people wonder why I love The Bachelor so much. And it's this shit right here. This like petty ass (laughs) fighting over nothing. It's the best thing. (laughs) Jamie's like, cool, cool. Get out of my house. So at school, Miles' teacher confronts her saying that someone has been calling and telling the school that Miles is being neglected at home. 
So until this is all investigated, she cannot volunteer in the classroom anymore. Okay. I don't like that. So they have to go meet with the principal to decide if they need to call social services. Um, so this is the most unrealistic part of this to me, but it happened in real life too. So it is the law that if a teacher gets a report or suspects that a student is being neglected, they are required to call social services. The principal is not an investigator who decides for himself. Right. But when, when did this happen? This happened in, in real life. 2003. Oh, okay. I thought it was like a while ago. Uh-uh. Okay. That makes sense then. Yeah. Because I was like, well, if it happened like a long time ago, well, then. Like, yeah, even if it was in the 80s, there like, weren't real rules. It was like... a lawless world. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So Jamie understandably freaks out and runs to her husband's office. He comforts her and says it's going to be okay, but that does not help. <laughs> she goes to talk to Susie, who is like, say what now? she says she cannot imagine who would do that not even lisa oh i can imagine who did it and then she tells her all the things that lisa is saying about her (laughs) (laughs) which is that miles is eating her son's lunch instead of his own at school and that she's worried about him because jamie's been working so much and so neither his parents are ever home Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So at the school meeting, they say they know that Jamie is a good mom, but they have to take these calls seriously. There's not enough evidence for the school to call in social services, but that doesn't mean that the person that called the school in the first place, let's call her Lisa. Um, where? So I just. I can't disclose her name, so we're going to call her Shmisa. So the school helpfully suggests that maybe she should contact the person they think made the call and try to work things out. Principal isn't saying that it was Lisa, but she's not saying that it wasn't Lisa. (laughs) You know. On her way to her car... Guess who drives into the parking lot? Ed McMahon with a giant check. No, it's Lisa. Damn. Jamie loses her shit. I can't imagine why. Because this bitch pulls into the parking lot in the same car that Jamie drives. (laughs) (laughs) You almost killed me with that. Hold on. (laughs) Okay. Oh my God. I just got dizzy. And also because, like, she's fucking with her kid. But And if you fuck with my kid, I will straight up end your life and oh. ask questions. Later. <laughs> no, we won't ask questions. Not a single one. <laughs> um, us moms tend to take the safety and welfare of our children very seriously. Um, so, Lisa... So, oh, so Jamie, like, goes and starts banging on her window. Um... And, like, screaming at her, like, why are you doing this to us? And so, and then she's like, I see your car. You can't be that broke if you can buy this Mercedes. (laughs) I am dead. 
this beast. I loved this movie so much. This really um, is like an episode of The Bachelor. I know. This is like what happens after, like when The Bachelor contestants get married and settle down in right. their like rich su- suburbs. God, I would watch that show. Make them all live in the same neighborhood. Oh my God. Real <gasps> housewife style. I just found our money making idea. Somebody, can somebody get? No, oh, Mike Fleiss is problematic. Let's get somebody on the phone from The Bachelor. Not Mike Fleiss. We'll figure it out. Um, da 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 da. So, oh, so she's like screaming and like banging on her window and making this scene. And another parent, thankfully, like swoops in and is like, "Okay, we're gonna go this way now." <laughs> she like this other parent like guides jamie over to her car and is like here here get in let's have a little time out yeah and she's like, <laughs> so i'm picturing um shailene woodley as jamie now because this feels very big little lies yes it does <sighs> totally that's probably why i like this so much um after a minute jamie calms down and she's like Whoops, that looked pretty crazy. And um, the other mom is like, well, that bitch stole your look. I'd be mad too. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that's what we're mad about. And I was like, ooh, other mom, let's be friends. Like, I want to hang out with you. (laughs) Then she gives Jamie the card of an attorney that she uses for background checks and, like, for her employees and stuff. Um, His name is Avril Lavigne. He was a boy. She was a girl. Can I make it any more obvious? <laughs> um, Jamie's like, I still want to try and work it out with um, Lisa. And the other one was like, yeah, you you tried to do that. And, and then call Avril Lavigne. And so um, it's Christmas and the kids are putting on a little pageant and they're adorable. Um, except Lisa is sitting in the front row and she stares down Jamie. Please tell me she's sitting front row, Mean Girls, Amy Poehler style, like camcorder, doing the dance with them. I wish that would have been amazing. (laughs) Um, Jamie does the only rational thing that you can do in this situation when they leave for the night. Laugh hysterically. She picks a fight with her husband. Oh, my two choices were laugh hysterically or cut your hair. she tells him that she yelled at lisa in the parking lot and he's like he's like you gotta stop letting her get under your skin like that and she's like i said i messed up okay and while we're at it she said you were ogling her on halloween so why don't we talk about that right now here in this public parking lot huh that is exactly how couples fight. You hold up whatever you're mad about for six and a half. It's like Eliza Schlesinger. You don't know my middle name. <laughs> oh, God. He says Lisa was totally flirting with him, not the other way around. Um, and when they get home, the police are at her door. I'm real worried, actually. They have a restraining order for Jamie. Merry Christmas. Jamie mentions that since Lisa is their neighbor, this means that she can't even go in her own backyard. 
And the police are like, yes, that's correct. And I'm a little confused as to how the police can keep you from going to your on your own private property that you own. But this isn't I mean, this movie clearly doesn't take place in Texas. Right. (laughs) Um, So. Jamie starts having a nightmare about Lisa kidnapping Miles. So she wakes up and she's like, it's time to call Avril Lavigne. Thank God. Because it's a damn cold night. (laughs) He wears plaid with suede vests. So he's very serious. (laughs) He asks her like typically annoying lawyer questions to make sure she's not actually the crazy one. And having being a person that has filed a restraining order, this is the fucking worst because it makes you feel more crazy (laughs) than you already feel. Um, Then he gives her the bad news that basically there's not a lot she can do. She can file a restraining order, but at that point, it's just them filing against each other. It's just like a paper trail. He agrees that it's super creepy that she buys the same car, clothes, and jewelry as Jamie. But it's not illegal to be creepy. It should be, though. Let's be honest. I I mean, let's talk about stalking laws and talk about how it should definitely be illegal to be creepy. Um, so he says he'll do some background work and start. And he tells her to start a log of creepy neighbor activities. Um, Allie comes to see if she can babysit Miles and Jamie's like, sorry, your mom's like super weird. So I'm going to say no. (laughs) Um, Jamie comes home and Lisa, Susie and their kids are playing outside in the cul-de-sac. Miles wants to go play with them, but she's like, no. Um, hubby comes home and Jamie is looking all stressed and depressed. Um, hubby and Jamie are talking this part is so bizarre. So they're talking to the living room and Miles is playing and he has a walkie talkie next to him that he just has all of a sudden. I don't know why they don't ever explain it. You don't need to explain something that magical. Lisa's son walkie talkies him to come over. So Miles goes into the backyard Hubby and Jamie hear the door open, like the back door open, and they run outside. Her husband runs across the yard, and Jamie thankfully stands on the porch because this bitch is standing on her balcony with the phone in her hand ready to call the police for breaking Uh -uh. the restraining order. Her kid is sitting right next to her. Like, she's telling her kid, like, tell Miles to come over. No. Yes. That is evil and a half. No shit, right? It was crazy. Um, So husband decides he's going to take Lisa's husband out for a beer. They are each on their own sides. Lisa's husband says that Jamie's just jealous because Lisa's so hot and she was a cheerleader. And Jamie's husband's like, well, Jamie was homecoming queen, so there. Oh, man, this is great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then he just flat out tells Lisa has Lisa's husband that Lisa is a liar, liar, pants on fire. Um, Did he use those words? Cause I hope so. No, he just calls her a liar. 
Lisa's husband goes home. She pretends to be asleep and that he woke her up. Oh, oh, so while they're at the bar, this comes up back, sorry. While they're at the bar, he, uh, Jamie's husband asks Lisa's husband, like, how many times has this happened before? Right. Because he, like, mentions, like, she has a really hard time making friends and keeping friends because people are just so jealous of her because she's so hot. Right. Um, And so she pretends that he woke her up. She's like, "Mm, it's so late. And he's like, it's 930. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They talk about the meeting and then they get in a fight because since Jamie's husband pointed it out, this does seem to happen to them a lot. They're pulling the one string that's going to unravel this girl. The people before Jamie and her husband that lived in that house and the people before them. That house is haunted. It possesses people to be assholes to me. I don't know why. So Lisa like jumps up and pushes him. Like, across the room. And so I'm like, oh, he's got a little bit of battered husband syndrome. Because at this point, he, like, turns it on. And he's like, oh, so she pushes him. And she's, like, she's like starts sobbing. And she's like, you're just in love with Jamie. You want to leave me and be with her. But she's like, please don't leave me. And she's, like, crying. And I'm like, the fuck is happening? <laughs> I... This has been a ride, and we're not finished yet. Oh, God, we're not even close. Are we not? Because we're at 50 minutes of recording right now. We're we're close. Okay. Um, The next day, someone is pounding on Jamie's door. She answers without looking through the peephole like some kind of psycho. (laughs) Yeah. If you didn't get a text that says I'm here, then you better be looking through that peephole. It's Susie. She's there to accuse Jamie of spray painting bitch on on Lisa's garage. And Susie, you were the normal one. And I'm very disappointed in you. (laughs) So Jamie decides to have security cameras installed. She offers the installer coffee. This also seems normal, but the sinister music is back on, so it must not be. Um... Lisa runs by and sees the security van in Jamie's driveway, and she's not happy about it. She starts following Jamie around to her real estate appointments, etc. Jamie gets drive through one night on her way home. She's driving home, and she's, like, driving really slow because she has, like, drinks in the car. Right. She's, like, holding the drink holder. And oh, Laura Dern just won an Oscar call us girl yeah i don't know what it's for but she deserved it like it could just be her like calling information and yeah i want to hear her like she exists on this planet and i'm like yes yeah she deserves it we're proud of you Um, laura we are proud of you laura (laughs) um anyway so so she's driving home so she's driving slow and all of a sudden lisa like pops out from behind a bush and she hits her. And I used air quotes. There. I saw that. <laughs> so she like, she's like, oh my God. And she jumps out of the car and she's like, oh my God, are you okay? Like, I did not see you. Like, are, like, let me help you get up. And 
Lisa just starts screaming, like, don't hurt me, don't hurt me, like, leave me alone. And her her daughter's with her. She's like, Allie, call 911. So I guess they supposedly call 911. I have questions about this because of what happens later. The police come later that night and arrest Jamie. At this point, it's just for assault. Okay. Um, Hubby, like, calls after the police. He's like, you can't do this. They're, like, very actively doing it. So, <laughs> um, And then he's like, Jamie, it's all going to be fine. Like, <laughs> So lawyer Hubby and Miles go to bail Jamie out of jail. The lawyer tells Jamie that Lisa is claiming that Jamie tried to run her down. So the prosecutor is charging her with attempted murder. Oh, my God. And she could possibly go to prison for 10 years. And so Jamie was like, but Susie saw through her window. She was right there. And the lawyer's like, she's refusing to testify. She won't talk to anybody. And now I see why she is Susie the snake. Snakey Susie. I was really rooting for her to come back, but no. So Jamie goes to her house and bangs down the door. Susie's wife answers and tries to tell Jamie that Susie isn't home, but Susie's like looking at them out the window. So like everybody needs to do better. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, Susie finally comes out and says that she sees what Lisa has done to Jamie, but she has to protect her family because she doesn't want to be next. So she can't help her. Okay. I was like, that's some fucked up morals you got there. Uh-huh. <laughs> So Jamie goes home and her husband's like, hey, I'm changing the sheets. Miles and Miles is in our bed. He wet the bed. She finds something in the bottom of the linen closet. And she's like, well, everything makes so much more sense now. I have no idea what the hell she found. And I never talk about it again. <laughs> it's just a spatula. <laughs> <laughs> um Later, she gets the paranoia, so she sits behind her bed as far away from the window as she can and fires up the Google machine. And then we cut to her with the crazy eyes, telling her attorney all about false victim syndrome. Which I understand she's right, because I know this is based on a true story, but (laughs) she looks like a lunatic in this movie. Uh Uh-huh. She looks like that person that found a WebMD page and then took it to the doctor and was like, see, I have brain cancer. You're right. And they're like, you have a headache. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the attorney's like, okay, like, I'm going to write this all down, but let's all, like, simmer. Maybe let's all take a clonopin and have a nap. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Things aren't going well at work either because she starts getting bad realtor reviews because Lisa needs a hobby. Right, right. Hmm. Yelp was hiring. Her, bo- her boss tells her that until this all dies down, Jamie really needs to just take a backseat and like stay home from work and stuff. And it's trial time. Lisa walks in with her husband and Allie and a real big old boot on her foot. Very obnoxious. Avril Levine calls this a quote, she said, she said situation. That is verbatim what the actual attorney called it in the courtroom. Excellent. I'm not here for that kind of mansplaining. Uh, Actually. 
(laughs) (laughs) Prosecutor says that this is patently false and he's going to prove it. And I'm like, oh, honey, you're going to look so dumb at the end of this. (laughs) Jamie testifies that and the prosecutor is like a real asshole to her. And that's all I have to say about that. Lisa testifies and Avril Lavigne earns his paycheck. When Lisa says that Jamie attacked her in the school parking lot, he confirms that what she means is that Jamie yelled at her. Right. (laughs) Then he asks if Lisa has Parkinson's or lupus, to which she's like, no. (laughs) And Avril's like, cool, cool, cool. I think we're done here. Yeah. What I meant to say was I don't have Parkinson's. When she asked me, I meant to say I don't have Parkinson's. It's like literally legally blonde playing out in front of us. Oh, I meant best friend. Oh, we get the legally blonde moment. We get the legally yes. blonde moment. I'm so excited. I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, prosecutor gets up and continues to be the worst. Lisa tells her big fat whopper of a lie about Jamie running her over. And now Allie testifies. The prosecutor has her tell the story and then it's Avril Lavigne's turn. He gets up and buttons his suit coat because he needs business. I can't wait. He says, it must have been so scary seeing Lisa like that. And he's like, did you go to the hospital with your mom? And she's like, no. And he says, oh, were you babysitting your brother while they went to the hospital? And she says, no. Um, He's like, oh, but. Did she go to the doctor or the hospital at all? And she says no. After she was hit by a car and called 911. Right. You've... The fuck is happening in that town? <laughs> you cook your ribs in the oven and right? you don't take people that have been run over by cars to I the hospital. Told like, you, I've run out of places to put red flags. <laughs> so he says... Well, if that's the case, where did she get that giant boot on her foot? And she's like, oh, my my dad gave it to her. He put it on her. And he says, wow, it must be so nice to have a doctor at home with you. And she's like, my dad's not a doctor. (laughs) This poor girl. We get the legally blonde moment. He says... Where were y'all going that or where were y'all coming from that day? And she's like, home. And he says, Oh, so y'all were going somewhere. And she's like, No, we weren't going anywhere. And he asks if they were just out for a walk, and she says, No. So finally he's like, Allie, how long were you and your mother waiting on the corner before Jamie's car came along? And she says, About 20 minutes. He says, That's a really long time. What were y'all doing? Lisa pipes up from her seat that she's having, they were having a mother-daughter conversation, but the judge is like, you need to pipe down, (laughs) (laughs) ma'am. Avril Lavigne asks again what Allie and her mom were doing on the corner that day. Allie looks at Lisa, who like jerks her head like, no. But Avril sees her looking and stands like directly in her line of sight. So she can't see her mom. Good. And he asks her again, and she says, they were waiting for Jamie. 
And Avril asks why they were waiting for Jamie's car. And she said they're waiting for Jamie's car so her mom could hurl herself onto it. Damn. Avril thanks Allie for her honesty and says he has no further questions. The jury finds Jamie not guilty. Lisa rolls her eyes and glares at her husband and daughter for failing her, I guess. Right. Uh, at home, Hubby pops the champagne and says he's so glad this is over. They toast to new beginnings and they ceremoniously open the curtains to find Lisa standing at her window watching them. No! <laughs> Jamie just says she's never going to stop, is she? And we cut to a new family moving in. The camera pans over the house to Lisa standing on her balcony drinking a glass of wine. The end. Oh my god. This is like a Big Little Lies and the Watcher had a baby. Yes! <laughs> I'm here for it. Alright, well, are you ready for a very bizarre true story now? Totally. I'm so pumped. Okay, so I forgot to write down all the places where I got information. So just as usual, none of these words are mine. This one actually is more my words than usual because I couldn't copy and paste and I'll explain in a second. But um, I know that I used some Wikipedia. I know that I used oxygen. Um, and then my primary source this week was um, an episode of an old ID show called Stalked. Someone's watching. And Ooh, I'm gonna have to. I like that show. Yeah, it's like totally so, though because stalkers are like a thing for me. Like, so this was season one, episode two. So it's the second episode ever. It was called Neighborhood oh, cool. Watch, and it premiered January thirty first, two thousand eleven. Have you ever watched those show? They have like it's about neighbors. Yes, like crime against neighbors. That show is wild. Uh huh. Holy shit. Okay, um, anyway, sorry. So Also, Eminem is performing on the Oscars, and I forget sometimes that he has an Oscar. Oh, yeah. And then when I remember, I'm like, huh. Oh, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I did do some research on false victimization syndrome. Okay. Um, and so it occurred, this was a quote taken from a psychology textbook. Um, this occurs when an individual attempts to convince others that he or she is being stalked through the invention of claims made to reestablish a failing relationship and or gain attention. Do you know what I used my psychology textbooks for when I was a kid or um, when I was in college? Whenever, a kid. <laughs> whenever your table was wobbly, you put it underneath. Paperweights that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, in the Legally Blonde musical, she uses her books to prop up her mirror, which I'm pretty sure is in the movie, too. Um, uh-huh. And that's it's one of my favorite scenes that um, mm -hmm. when he's deconstructing that in the song. Anyway, so. Um, oh, my God. Oh, my God, you guys. Sorry. Um, it continues on that individuals who exhibit these characteristics may also fit the cr criteria for histrionic personality disorder. Um demanding to be the center of attention shallow expression of emotions which shift rapidly and speak in a manner that is only impressionistic and lacking in detail um now this is not to be confused with situations where a stalker claims to be the victim of stalking even though they sound very similar um because often a stalker can feel victimized by the person they're stalking because that person's not paying attention to them 
Um, Rude. Right? And so this goes more like Munchausen's idea or Munchausen's by proxy where they actually create a dangerous situation for them to be involved in. Like jumping in front of a slow moving vehicle? Uh Uh-huh. So um, did I ever tell you about the girl I went to school with that um, she played the victim all the time, which is actually a technical term for false victimization syndrome. Uh huh. No. Okay. So she one time told me that she had this very rare form of ovarian cancer and she was going to die any day now. And she'd printed out all this information from the any day now. And she's at school. Uh huh. My ass would not have been at school. (laughs) Right? So she printed out all this information about this rare cancer. And then um, one time she told us that somebody had put sugar in her gas tank. and But she was driving the same car that day that she was driving the day before. And it was just a series of things like this to the point that... I mean, that's a really easy and simple issue to fix. So (laughs) it does not fuck up your engine permanently at all. Um. So my mom actually forbade me from like hanging out with her because she was so crazy. And I, to this day, I say I can't hang out with her because my mom said no, um, even though we don't even live in the same state anymore. But um, she came to school one time and told us about um, her, her. So her mom and her big sister lived in Arkansas. And mm-hmm. she told us about her mom's ex-boyfriend breaking into their house and tying them up and shooting her mom and killing her and like leaving the sister for dead. And the sister was able to call nine one one. It was a true fucking story. So when she told me, I was, yeah. When she told me, I was like, yeah, okay, that sucks. I'm so sorry that happened to you. And I was like an asshole about it and walked away because she, she had this history of lying to me. And then that one was real. Shut up. That's wild. It was awful. But that's, Sad. <laughs> I know. I don't mean to laugh, but it was like, well, it's like the Sid thing. <laughs> I thought it's like the little boy who cried wolf. Like it just it kept escalating, yeah. and so I was like, "There's no way this is the real one." Nope, that was the real yeah, one. Yeah, I understand that. Like that's crazy. Well, in um two, I have um, I grew up in a house with somebody that probably has this disorder among. Well, a myriad so of others. This disorder um, is linked very closely to borderline personality, and so, mm-hmm. and we, like when you point out the relation to Munchausen's by proxy, too. That... Yeah, so I do. I do also think this person has a version of Munchausen's by proxy. It's just in a psychological way, uh-huh. and not necessarily not necessarily a physical way. Right, I understand that. Sure. So, um, and I really don't want to know right at this point in my life. So victim playing is used often by abusers, obviously. Um, and there are three main ways that they use it. Um, so the first one is dehumanization. So by creating a victim in themselves, they can justify why they're hurting somebody else. Um, and then, um, Oh, no, that was justification. And then there's dehumanization, which is, um, oh, that's when you are kind of stuck in a cycle of abuse. So you find a way to victimize yourself so that you're both being pushed further and further down rather than understanding that you're in a true abusive relationship and that you might be the abuser. 
Um, it got real complicated. And then, obviously, Manipulation's the last one. Um, so, like... Anyway, um, to not get yeah. too heavy and all that. <laughs> uh, I'm now going to... Uh, yeah, it, that's, I'm sorry, that's just, like, a really heavy, like, right. subject for me. Right. So Let's now, get to the fun stuff. Yep, I'm now moving on to a woman named Kathy Truitt. However... If you watch this episode of Stalked, Someone's Watching, she goes by the name Mary Walker. And I don't know why her whole family used pseudonyms for this. Um, well, in this movie, she was Karen Jacobs, so. And in the book, she has a different name than that, too. So there's a myriad of names, but her actual name was Kathy Truitt. Um, and so... Um, Kathy, Kathy grew up on a farm in El Dorado Springs, Missouri, which is a tiny little town in the Ozarks. She describes it as the perfect place to grow up. And um, even from a young age, she loved writing and telling stories. And uh, in fact, when she was in the sixth grade, she told a story in an interview about her sixth grade teacher liked her writing so much that he asked her to turn something she'd written into a play for their class to perform. Sweet. Right. So it was it's nice that that was fostered in her because she went on to be a a writer. Like she's got two novels out right now. That's Um, so cool. So at the age of 19, Kathy dropped out of Missouri state university to marry her high school sweetheart, Jay. Um, they had two kids together, one of whom runs a very successful blog called the selfish mom project. And you can find it at racheltapper.com. Um, Mm -hmm. and then Rachel Tapper also just released a book called uh, the selfish mom project. And so she's okay. like doing well for herself too. Um, I've heard of her actually. Really? Mm-hmm. So, um, Kathy expected her family's life to keep them anchored in El Dorado Springs, their hometown, but they actually lived quite an adventurous life. They lived in Missouri on two different occasions, Texas on two different occasions, Mississippi and England. Um, so in 19, cool. in 1996, during the course of all this moving around and stuff, she actually won the title of Mrs. Missouri. And oh, fun. she um, tells an anecdote about how the night that she won Mrs. Missouri, she walked off that stage with her sash and crown and went up to her hotel room and changed her baby's diaper. Like it was delightful. It was just a like very real non-glamorous I went to high there. school with um with a guy whose wife does like the misses like the state text like the state pageants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like you think about pageant girls in one way, but then you like those, those misses like those are people that have like children and families. Uh-huh. And, like, well, so mm-hmm. our vet for a brief period before she moved was Mrs. Louisiana, and she walked in one day and she was like you know, bottle blonde and super tiny and beautiful. And she walked out of the room and I leaned over to Sarah and I was like, she's proof that Barbie really can be anything. (laughs) (laughs) She was, she was a wonderful vet. I was sad when she moved. So anyway, so, um, in June of 2001, her husband Jay was offered a job in Washington DC. Um, and he was, he was a career politician so they're so, in D.C.? Uh-huh. That's so funny because this movie, I'm pretty sure, was based in Washington State. That's so funny. So um, 
After much deliberation, the family moved to a small suburb outside of Washington, D.C. Kathy said this worked perfectly for her because she'd always considered herself a small-town girl, so they were in this small suburb that was close to the city. Um, Cute. And Kathy herself actually worked as a radio personality for 20 years. She um, had a number one rated show. Like, she was a badass. And That's so cool. Um, she said she'd like to thank all her teachers who told her she wouldn't amount to a hill of beans because she couldn't stop talking in class. <laughs> and I, I plan to thank some people someday when I get my Oscar. I just think that I would be friends with Kathy. She's my kind of petty. So, um... You, me, Kathy, Laura Dern, John Hamm. Like, that's our friend group now. When she first moved into her neighborhood... Um, she met a neighbor named in the show. She says Jane. Now Jane's identity has never been revealed. Um, in the book, the character's name is Lynn. And in your movie, I guess her name was Lisa. So when I refer to Jane, that is your Lisa. Um, okay. So they immediately hit it off. Jane would drop by and hang out. Kathy even described them as inseparable for a while. One day, though, Jane began wearing her hair exactly like Kathy's. No, no. Like, like she was a brunette and then she just showed up one day and her hair was blonde and it was cut in the same style and it flipped out at the ends just like Kathy's. And um, also, Jane was... Jane had always dressed very sexy, according to Kathy, but as time went on, Jane's style changed to mimic Kathy's. Um, she took on Kathy's mannerisms and in an interview with her daughter, Rachel, who went by Nicole in the show, um, mm -hmm. Rachel described Jane as wearing quote, tight fitting blouses saying that she was wearing clothes that were quote, not appropriate for someone her age. So, and then she just walked in one day and she looked like a preacher's wife. Like it was a complete 180. And, um, she was slowly taking on the persona of Kathy, changing her wardrobe, not to just dress similarly to Kathy, but identically. Yeah, that's so creepy. Yeah. Uh, so Kathy began noticing that everywhere she went, Jane was just happenstance there, too. It was so strange. No. She would appear even when Jane was taking like a quick trip to the grocery store and she would walk back and forth in front of Kathy's house several times a day. Um, and she was caught several times just standing, like, on the curb, staring into their window. Kathy said in an interview she was always, always, always there. No. No, 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 no. Mm -mm. Nope. Um, I don't like it. Mm -mm. The other thing I really like about this um, stock show that I saw, I think it's hosted by this criminal psychologist named Michelle Ward, or at least she was the featured person in this episode. And she okay. gives psychology insight to what was happening <laughs> in the case. And I love that kind of stuff. Where oh, that's cool. I, yeah. I got to learn too. Um, so in this episode, she explained that Jane was exhibiting signs of borderline personality disorder. And in many mm -hmm. cases of BPD, the person will latch on to another person and absorb the identity of someone they respect or admire. In Jane's case, though, she wasn't just trying to emulate and be like Kathy. She really was trying to be Kathy. So, Kathy. No. You're right. Let's, not, let's just no. Mm -mm. 
So Kathy began to get so creeped out that she would like change her routes to go places and her daily routines. And she cut all ties with um, Jane socially. And she was like actively avoiding Jane, but to no avail. Jane would appear at the bus stop and stores where Kathy shopped. And she said, quote, every time I step outside, everywhere I am, she is there. No, I'm just, no, <laughs> no. Aaron rejects that. I reject it. Um, Kathy said that if she saw Jane outside, she'd just stay inside. She was a prisoner in her own house. <laughs> she was constantly on edge. She was fearful and unsettled. Um, she went to the police to try to get a restraining order against Jane, but the police actually laughed at like her. Like you do. Right. The police actively laughed at her. Um, the fuck? Even Kathy admits, and she admits from the outside, like, it might look ridiculous, but the fact that the police would do nothing about it was a little bit terrifying. Yeah. Um, so, Kathy said, quote, these two bitchy neighborhood women are trying to establish turf. And that's like, that's how the, everybody perceived this fight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then it, um, went back to Dr. Ward and she said that female stalkers only make up about 15 to 20% of all stalkers. And they're not seen as much of a threat. Um, right. And then I know this from other cases of stalking and stuff that law enforcement often treats female stalkers the same way they treat female abusers like they're harmless and anybody who reports those types yes. of crimes are just weak yep um so it's on, really horrible yes just want to say <laughs> on may 24th 2002 kathy received a phone call from her son's teacher at school she said there was a problem uh, somebody is calling the school and saying that you're abusing and neglecting your son. A concerned parent called and made this anonymous claim that Kathy was leaving her son at home alone, often to fend for himself. Kathy explains, quote, they say that your husband is working all night. Nobody knows where your daughter is and you're gone. Uh, the her daughter died of SIDS. Right, right. I forgot to tell you about that. She published that book so... posthumously. Mm-hmm. Just a Ouija board. That's why I've heard of her. It's so <laughs> impressive. The teacher then said that the anonymous tipster said that Kathy's son spent every night wandering up and down the street asking people for food. So. What now? Right. Like, you know, wouldn't you have called the cops if you saw a kid just wandering and asking for food? You're going to call their teacher? Like. <laughs> um. So Kathy went to the school to meet with the principal. She tried to defend herself against the lies, but the principal kept pressing, asking why somebody would lie about something like that. Obviously she didn't know. Because they're cray cray. Right. Like that's the only reasonable explanation. Um, so the, um, by the end of the meeting though, the principal decided that the claims were unfounded. Her son was happy and healthy and well adjusted. So the school dropped the case after that. And like I said, I'm still a little concerned that this school didn't call in officials. Like mm. it is not your job to play detective principal, sir. Before long, a teacher came forward to confirm that Jane was in fact the tipster. And then, um, 
Dr. Ward confirms that many people like Jane are master manipulators. They're charismatic and believable. But this was the event that sent Jane into a fury. She wanted Kathy to have gotten repercussions so that she could live in Jane's mind. I mean, live in Kathy's mind. Um, And the fact that there weren't repercussions is what made her, like, accelerate. I'm at a hard pass on somebody living inside my mind. Thanks. Right. She begins calling the police and saying that Kathy has been stalking and harassing her. Kathy said, quote, this is crazy. I'm being stalked by a stalker who says I'm stalking them. I'm like, that's a children's book I would read. That would totally make you feel crazy, though. Like, just imagine. Uh, Oh, yeah. Um, So, um, Kathy knew that she didn't have enough evidence to convince the police that Jane was a threat, especially since the police had already laughed at her attempt for a restraining order against, uh, against Jane. So she tried to... Can you tell me that all of these officers were later fired um, for being fucking assholes? They'd all done their training in Milwaukee. (gasps) Makes sense, right? Wisconsin. Okay. (laughs) Never mind. She tried to just ignore Jane. She stopped allowing her existence to ruin her routine. She went about her normal life. If Jane approached her, she just... Good for her, because I would not be able to do that. Right? (laughs) Like, if Jane approached her, she'd just keep walking and extract herself from the situation, never even acknowledging Jane at all, like, looking straight through her. Amazing. Um, But Dr. Ward says, Kathy is playing a dangerous game. By ignoring Jane, she's actually pushing her closer and closer to the edge. And when Kathy doesn't react, it fuels her and pushes her further into action. Jane's obsession requires attention from the object of her obsession, and she'll do whatever it takes to get it. So, um, on September 7th, 2004, now two years into this nightmare, the police knock on Kathy's door and tell her that they have a warrant for her arrest. She was led out of her house in handcuffs while her children looked on in fear. A woman had called the police and claimed that Kathy tried to deliberately run her down with her car. Kathy argued that this never happened. She told them that Jane is crazy and that she's been stalking and harassing her for months. And she'd even tried to file a report against her, but to no avail. The police were like, oh yeah, that that's all well and good, except that Jane had a witness. So it's your word against two people's words. And the second Oh, person, was one of their witness their teenage daughter? Their 12-year-old daughter, yep. So, Kathy was completely lost. She hired an attorney. An ironclad case. Yep. She hired an attorney, but she felt useless. She didn't think that even this great attorney would be able to help her. Um, She said she began losing weight very quickly, and her hair started to fall out, and she wasn't able to sleep. Um, Which is exactly what Jane hoped would happen, because now she's occupying every space in Kathy's mind 24-7. Mm-hmm. On October 18th, 2004, the trial against Kathy began. So at least it turned around quickly, like a month and 10 days. Yeah. Um, so Jane got to take the stand first. She described her version of events. She said she and her daughter were walking down the road. They were at the corner just up from their house when her neighbor, Kathy, came speeding toward her at full speed. She said she pushed her daughter out of the way and Kathy jumped the curb, narrowly missing Jane and her daughter. She said that Kathy was out to kill her. And 
I would just like to point out that if a car came careening that quickly and had to jump the curb, there would be damage to the curb or to the car. So did anybody think to investigate that or are we just ignoring facts today? No, no, no. Milwaukee says that you don't need to look at that. <laughs> That's fair. I forgot. So um, when Kathy got to take the stand... She knew her only hope was to convince the judge that she was the victim here and not the other way around. The judge did not believe Kathy's story and asked the same question that everyone had asked her up to this point. Why would Jane make it up? What does she gain from it? She's crazy. You should have been her lawyer. You could have fixed it. I should have been. Um, So next, Jane's daughter took the stand She's asked to recount the events of the night that she and her mother narrowly avoided death. Kathy knew that her only hope rested with Ray Morley, as uh, who's her attorney, as he cross-examines James' daughter. And this was the point where it flashed... I'm sorry, you mispronounced Avril, Avril Levine. Levine. <laughs> this is the point where it... Um, flashes to like his talking head portion. And he says, this was a she said, she said case. It's all about the she said, she said bullshit. So, um, so Ray Morley walks up and he asked her to recount the events of the night. And then she pointed at Kathy and said, Miss Kathy tried to run us over. When Morley asked if she saw Kathy in the driver's seat, she said, no, but my mom did. And like, basically Ray Morley dropped the mic and walked away. That's where he ended his line of questioning. Like Obama out. Yep. Um, That's still my favorite. I love that so much. Kathy, like when it cut to Kathy telling the story, she was like, and all I could think was, oh, baby girl, you just blew a hole the size of an 18 wheeler in this case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Gosh, um, did. So. Um, Kathy's only chance for freedom is tied to the witness statement of this 12 year old girl and the fact that she didn't actually see Kathy. So um, after a few hours of deliberation, the judge finds Kathy not guilty. The judge, however, also will not honor any charges brought against Jane for false accusations or stalking or anything. But why though? Um, my wife made me a grilled cheese for lunch and I'm already late. So we can't be doing all this. Remember that lawyer that had to leave because his wife was ovulating? What movie was that? I don't remember this. Narcy Novak, right? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Now that you mention it. <laughs> right? Oh, Isn't man. that the one? I think so. Narky. Shit. <laughs> so that movie was also bonkers. Right? Um so this actually only heightened Jane's obsession. So the charges are dropped, she doesn't get her way, so she begins camping outside of Kathy's house, waiting with a camera to take pictures of her family any chance she got. Like the fucking paparazzi. She took pictures of them leaving the house for the day, doing yard work and doing like household chores through the open windows. So they started having to leave all their blinds closed and everything. And every time they'd call the police they'd be like, Well, it's not technically illegal. Well, I mean, you act like that's fucking weird or something. <laughs> right. I do that all the time. Um, 
So the con- and my neighbors love me. <laughs> the constant harassment lasted four years. So Kathy finally, basically, she was like, "I've had enough. Either I'm leaving by myself, or we're all leaving together. But I cannot be here anymore." Word. So they moved out as close to like in secret as they possibly could. They pack their stuff with the blinds closed. They don't put their house up for sale until they've already got another house secured. They um, don't tell any of their friends where their new house is because they're afraid they may accidentally tell Jane and that Jane can find them. So she does say in the interview how hard it was to lose all those friends that she loved. Yeah, of course. Right. So, um, as of this day, Jane has yet to be charged with any stalking crimes. That is uh-huh. wild. In 2009, Kathy began work- working on a book called False Victim, which details a fictionalized account of the real events of her stalking. This book was the inspiration for Lifetime's Neighbor in the Window. Mm-hmm. False Victim was published in August of 2010, and since the publication of her book, Kathy has found that she was not the only victim of Jane's. She said, quote, this was in an interview with Oxygen. She said, quote, I learned then that there had been other people who had left the neighborhood who were her victim, and when the book came out, I heard from other people who have seen her in action. Um, and then I will talk a little bit more about Kathy, but I want to get into this blog post that Rachel Tapper left on her blog after the movie's announcement. Okay. She says, and it's kind of long. This is her blog post. It's not the whole thing, but it's my, it's a good portion of it. Um, okay. She says, 17 years ago, something horrible happened in my family. And by the grace of God, my family not only stayed together, but none of us were physically harmed or removed. The emotional baggage, however, has taken its toll on all of us in different ways. PTSD is a real thing. But over time, you forget and move on. Until it all comes back to surface, and you're left facing it head-on, realizing you didn't exactly heal from it. Rather, you simply pushed it aside and decided not to think about it anymore. Mm -hmm. My wonderful mother, Kathy Truitt, wrote the book False Victim years ago. I read the book ten years ago when it first came out on a vacation in Italy. There was a lot going on, and I didn't totally process the entire book, I'll be honest. I thought the book was an amazing read, but my mind was on other things, and so I didn't take the time to actually process what was going on in the book, and it was actually my character in there. Hint, I'm pretty good at pushing things to the back of my brain and forget about them. I'm a work in progress, because this is not something I recommend, because it's not a healthy way to process trauma. So I really like how raw she is with this post. Yeah. Recently, my mom re-released False Victim with a new publisher, started going on book tour again and doing book clubs. Still didn't really seem to affect me in any way until Lifetime called asking to buy the rights to the book and turn it into a TV movie. I signed my name on the dotted line and agreed to whatever they asked me to in the contract. My mom was invited to go to Vancouver to watch the filming of the movie and asked my dad and I to step in at her local book club. Mm-hmm. Public speaking is my jam, so obviously I was happy to do it, but I didn't realize what it would bring up for me in my lack of healing process that I personally needed to go through. The day of the event, I was a grumpy mess. My husband couldn't push me out of the house fast enough be- that night because of my attitude. I started the day being nervous about it and with flashbacks that I hadn't had in years. 
My husband, who has never read the book due to personal decisions, asked me a couple of questions about what happened that set me off, gave me a horrible flashback moments, and made me go down a horrible Google and social media rabbit hole that I hadn't gone down in the last 10 years. I had to stop myself. I was 16 and my brother was six when the hell started. Though the book puts a shorter timeline on what happened, it actually lasted for years. After I went to college and even when I came back home. I never spoke out about about it then, and until now I haven't really spoken about it unless asked to. But the other night when I was at the book club, someone asked me about the seriousness of the allegations placed on my family. I finally understood the magnitude of them, because now I am a mother. My brother was a cute little six-year-old blonde-haired boy. I now, too, have a cute little haired, blonde-haired six-year-old boy that looks and acts... A little-haired just- <laughs> boy. <laughs> that acts, looks and acts just like that little boy. I tried with everything in me to protect 17 years ago. I had never made that connection until the other night, and I'd be lying if I said it didn't keep me up a couple of nights the last week. To think of something happening and threatening my family, my children, to the capacity that my mom and our family had to go to literally makes me sick to my stomach. I used to say to people, if you ever want to know why I am the way that I am, read this book. I will never say this again. My mom is an amazing writer, and this is one of those books that you will not put down and you will read in a day because it's that good. But I will never give the woman that did this to my family that much credit for my life ever again. I am the way I am because my parents raised me to be loving and kind, to put God first, and to always practice forgiveness. The book club, though unexpectedly so, was a huge healing moment for me that I didn't realize I needed. Maybe even more so getting the opportunity to do it alongside my dad. To give our perspectives, our stories, and speak freely was truly a gift of healing that was unexpected and I didn't realize I needed. I'll pass on more information as it comes about how you can watch the Lifetime movie airing in February. I can tell you that they decided to cut my character out of the movie, LOL. We are currently making this a great family joke, and I have every intention of wearing a sheet over my head at Thanksgiving dinner and pretending like I don't even exist. (laughs) (laughs) Even in the midst of everything, we have a great sense of humor in our family. That's delightful. So, I love this. I'm going to go read her book, too, because that sounds so, like, she sounds like somebody that I would want to be friends with. Her blog is very good. I read a few other posts, and um, so she is one that I will probably look at more. Um, And so just a closing statement, after Kathy's son graduated from high school, she loaded up and moved to Rowlett, Texas, where she continues to write. She released a second book called The Hillbilly Debutante Cafe, which is much lighter and inspired by Kathy's life as a farmer in the Ozarks turned pageant girl, because she calls herself the Hillbilly Debutante. Cute. Um, In August of 2019, Kathy Truitt was crowned Miss Senior United States. Her Instagram details her life as a senior fashionista. She has an incredible sense of style and she's now a realtor and an author and an inspiration to many. Oh my God. (laughs) Wow. Um, Also. So she and her husband got married when she was 19. They're still together and she still posts like every so often, like, um, when People Magazine had their Sexiest Man Alive, she was like, I hate to tell you guys, but you got it wrong. And Aww. it's just stinking precious. So, That's so cute. That is the messed up story of Kathy Truitt. And I'm so glad that she is that okay. That is a messed up story. 
I am too. Golly. Like, oh my gosh. That poor thing. That's crazy. That is like just crazy. Like oh. just insane. And to read interviews with her, she is so rad. Um, I read on a, like a style blog that she was interviewed on. They were asking about her sense of style. And so she talked about how their entire marriage, her husband has been a politician. So she's always dressed in what she called her own Jackie O style. Uh-uh. But um, their last year in yeah, they're next to last year in D.C. She gave up all of her Jackie O clothes and donated them to um, places that provide uh, women with like interview clothes and stuff to help them get jobs. And she like dress for success. Yes. Um, and she bought all these like stylish clothes. And then the next year she still felt really trapped in her life. So she shaved her head completely bald and she rocks it. Um, and so like the picture I showed you today of her mohawk, that's Mm -hmm. like what she currently looks like. Um, Mm -hmm. and then she realized she was just really oppressed by her life in DC. And she looked at her husband and said, I need a change. I think I've earned it. So they picked up their lives and moved to Rowlett, Texas. And she is being awesome. Good for them. Yay. That's awesome. And y'all, nobody died. Nobody died. Which is good because next week I don't want to talk about it's it. gonna be sad. No, we gotta talk about it. So next week we will finally be doing Chris Watts. And so Yes. Yep. Now as far as listener wise, the next time you hear from us, I will actually be in Rhode Island. I know. Freezing to death. Yes. Um Indeed. I will not be in Rhode Island. I will be in Texas, not freezing, hopefully. I will um, I will send you all the freezing texts and all the I'm miserable texts, but I'll actually be in workshops most of the time, so I won't be freezing very much. I mean, you really can't do that, though. Like, did you see the Snapchat that Anna sent us earlier? I don't want to talk about Anna. She chose that life. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I do yeah, laugh. Yeah, it's going to be nice here, like, all week. Thursday is going to be cold, but that's it. I do laugh that every time we mention hating the cold and she's like, we got a million feet of snow. Then you're just like, do you remember Houston? (laughs) (laughs) It's like the one claim to fame that we have that we can, we can survive in that weather. Right. So like, yeah, Minnesotans can survive like the dead ass cold, but we can survive the heat literal <laughs> hell yes and you know what guys global warming the planet's warming up so you need to learn to survive the heat right your skill set is soon to be useless exactly. <laughs> suck on that <laughs> side note could you ever figure out that meme that i sent y'all that i needed clarification on did you see what <laughs> So, for our listeners, they know and they can email us. Yes. Okay. So, I found or I saw a meme that has a girl standing on it and standing in it. She's got like several guns, and it just says, "We don't need. We already have universal health care. It's called owning a gun." And I need help understanding what this means. Maybe I should send it to my dad. I bet he knows. (laughs) Like. 
Like, the only thing I'd imagine is that means, like, when the doctor tries to give you your bill, you just fucking shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> or what, what France theory was that instead of going to the doctor, you just shoot yourself. You just shoot yourself. You're <laughs> so, please help is what we're asking. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. All right. Well, do you have a case of the week? Well, I do, but I stole it from Fran in our group me. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me about it because I probably forgot. Oh, it was how um, Frank Lloyd Wright's um, house, somebody that worked in his house, like killed everybody in his entire family and and all of his like um, servants or whatever because they he heard that he was going to get fired. I missed that. God, you know I love Frank Lloyd Wright. He's my favorite architect. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have so to like, look for that. So this morning, um, Fran was watching, or her parents, her parents were watching Ariel America, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was in Wisconsin. And she says, yeah, the time Frank Lloyd Wright's butler killed their entire staff and family because he got when they were going to fire him. Oh, my God. And she said, on tonight's episode of Are You Okay, Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I didn't so she get... She also, she titled the movie The Right Stuff. I didn't get any of that. I just saw Anna's response that said, Wisconsin's never okay. But I didn't get any of the stuff leading up to that because I scrolled back several times trying to find out why she would say that. Um, and I just said the dumpster fire. <laughs> right. So, yes. I, yeah. Um, Your group me is fuck. It is. Well, and I thought that maybe I just missed it because I was too busy running people off in church by singing. Because <laughs> <laughs> that happened today. <laughs> Y'all, I was singing and a family looked back and glared at me and then got up and moved. And then an old man came at me at the end of it and he was like, you have a very lovely voice. But it's powerful, and don't be upset because you made that family move just with your voice. Because uh, I would have done the same thing. And I was like, "That's not actually comforting." Thanks. You're like, uh, like <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I think. So, uh, well then, um, thank you for spending your time with us. Mm -hmm. And don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, send us to your best friends, send us to somebody you don't like. I don't care. I just need people to listen to us. Amen. Don't send us to Jane, though. We don't need that in our lives. No, I don't need a Jane in my life. I'm good. I have enough problems. Yeah, no joke. Um, All right. Well, that's that. You can... Um, keep in touch with us. Find us on Instagram yes. at Lifetime Sentence and on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod mm -hmm. and on Facebook. Oh, and thank you for the one person that responded about their favorite episode that it was um, Victoria Gotti, my father's daughter. That was a good one. I am still taking requests for what's your favorite episode. We are we we are obsessed with ourselves and we check our our mentions. Come on constantly <laughs> we've been refreshing for hours tonight mm -hmm. because All night. we know that your tweet just must be stuck in the um in the cyberspace and that it's trying to load to us 
It's with John Hams and Laura Derns. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh. You know who it is. That sneaky owner of Twitter is like, I don't want them to be friends. Right? He's just jealous. He's like Sneaky Susie. Sneaky Susie. That's exactly right. That's who owns Twitter. (laughs) We've solved all the mysteries tonight. We solved all the cases. (laughs) Crime is solved. <laughs> well, since your tweets aren't coming through, you can find us at facebook.com slash lifetime sentence. Uh-huh. You can shoot us an email at lifetime sentence podcast at gmail.com. Uh-huh. I would... You can find our show notes and other things at lifetime sentence.com. And then, of course, hang out with us at Patreon. We are having so much fun. I Please. talked about a British spy last week. Aaron's got a good surprise for us this week. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, next week, I will be talking about a Hollywood actress and physicist. So um, she's badass. Cool. Isn't it great that I'm already prepared for next week? That never happens. Wait, is it a modern? No actress or like an okay because i was thinking of um maya bialik but Mm -mm. she's a a neuroscientist no back before women had rights my favorite thing is is that interview of her on a red carpet yes where they're like oh did you learn a lot about science well doing the big bang theory she's like well actually like i'm a neuroscientist so no (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) all right well uh until next time Please, please, we're begging you, don't forget to eat your vegetables. Charge your phone. Mine's currently on 9%, so I need to take my own advice. Yeah, you do. Mine's on 90. Likes. Bye. Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.